0: Well, this morning we're doing a a standalone message. Uh, We're not continuing through the books of the Bible, uh, and we're not quite to where we're ready to start the Advent season in terms of the messages that we're going to be doing as a lead-up to Christmas, and so we're going to do something a little bit different. Typically, we do expository teaching, we pick a passage, we hunker down, we go deep, and we just dig into that uh, one passage. Uh, But today, we're going to do a topical message because something that was meaningful to me as I've been studying uh, in my seminary class was I came across this uh, section on identity. And I kind of read through going, I'm going to know all this. But the more I read the scriptures, the more I just asked the Lord, you know, what do you see? What do I need to see in this? I realized what I thought was basic was something deeply meaningful and challenging. Um, and I want to pass that on. Because what was meaningful to me, I think, will be meaningful to you as well. So this morning, we're going to spend uh, our time together looking at our identity in Christ. And what uh, the question we're going to start with is, where is our identity? Scripture teaches that there's really two identities. There's the in-Adam and the in Christ identity. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul breaks that down for us. And I'm going to read it. It won't be on the screen. So if you have your Bible, you can read along, or you can just listen. And for those of you who are visual, I have a visual for you afterwards that will help us. So Romans chapter 5, we're going to read 12, and then skip down to 15 and go to 17. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass of the one man, Adam, of course, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one man's sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned throughout that one man how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ and so what Paul does is kind of breaks it down into here's who we are in Adam and here's who we are in Christ and there's some some striking differences that we need to look at On the one hand, we have, oh, and this is Chuck Swindoll, had this in a great commentary, and again, visual for me, it just helped to have two columns and what it means to be in Adam and what it means to be in Christ. So in Adam, there's the forbidden tree, there's that disobedience. In Christ, there's the cross, the picture of perfect obedience even unto death. In Adam, there's transgression. In Christ, there's a free gift. In Adam, many died. In Christ, grace abounded to many. In Adam, there's condemnation. In Christ, there's justification. In Adam, death reigned. In Christ, the gift of righteousness will reign. In Adam, there is sin. In Christ, there is a Savior. And that kind of sets the stage for us today. But we have to answer this question. How does one enter the in Christ family? Because the reality is, I don't assume everyone uh, has put their faith in Christ and, and has salvation. In this room. If you have not experienced that grace, let me say it the way uh, one of my professors says it over and over and over to drill it into us. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And having an identity that is in Christ changes your life. And I I just love how Alistair Begg said, The man on the middle cross said, I could come. That is the gospel in a nutshell. Christ came. He didn't wait. He didn't say, You guys need to figure this out. You need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You need to get your life right. You need to do this, do that. He said, No, because you are helpless and hopeless, I will come. And He put on flesh, came to this earth, lived the perfect life that we have fallen short of. He endured a torturous death that we deserved. And he conquered death by raising from the grave to offer us eternal life with him. And so as, you go, as we go through these passages today, if you're like, man, I do not have that in Christ identity, know that it is available to you because the man on the middle cross paid the price for you. But for those of you who have experienced salvation, we are going to talk about uh, this idea of in Christ. This identity that Paul uses and weaves in and out of his letters to build a theology of what it means to be in Christ. And there's 12 verses. Like I said, it's topical. We're going to run through them. Uh, And my hope is it's a a springboard for you. Uh, I'm hoping that... Uh, the Holy Spirit just raises one or two of these scriptures up within you and says, you need to focus here. You need to hear this truth because I want you to live differently. Uh, And we're going to categorize them in three different categories just to, to help us as we study through. Our identity provides clarity. Our identity in Christ is a picture of completeness. And our identity produces confidence. So we're going to jump right in under the category of clarity. And the first verse is out of Galatians. And Paul says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ. And not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And this is hard for some to grasp, that there isn't something we have to do, that we don't have to get right before we can get God, uh, that we, there's not enough works and things for us to accomplish that would make us acceptable to God, but that God has done it all. But the reality is, in Christ we are justified by faith and works don't work. Works don't cut it. Now, in response to what Christ has done and when we are in Christ... Because of the great love and grace that he has extended to us, our response is an overflow of the heart that says, man, because of what you have done for me, I will serve you. And that's where works comes in, but it is not tied to our salvation. Justification is one of those big church words. So I, I resourced a guy named Tom Constable, who is, is one of those DTS gurus and Uh, He says this, justification is a forensics or a legal term. On the one hand, it means to acquit. On the other positive side, it means to declare righteous. But it does not mean to make one's behavior righteous. It means to make one's position in the sight of God righteous. To look on him and pardon me. And for clarity, we have been justified by faith if we are in Christ Romans 3, 24 says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ. We aren't just justified, we are redeemed. And this picture of redemption is, and we were slaves to sin. And the price was too much for us to pay. But thankfully, Jesus came and paid that price. In Christ, we have been redeemed. We have been bought out of our slavery to sin and been put under new management, the creator of the universe. And what a better position to be in. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And I know, looking back at my life, before Christ, or as I say, B.C., uh, there were things that... I don't struggle with, I don't wrestle with. It's not who I am. I look back and I go, that, that is no longer me. Because when Christ changed my life, I was made new. Now, there's still some struggles. There's still times where I, I look back and I might turn to the left or to the right. But I know my true identity is a new creation in Christ. And I am different because of Him in Christ, it's out with the old. Because we are made new, we don't have to live in our old self, or as Paul uh, terms it, the old man. We are new, and we need to live in that newness that He has uh, um, provided for us. Well, we got a little more clarity in Romans twelve five. It says so in Christ, we though many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. You know, I don't know what your Thanksgiving looked like. But you may have been among other people, or you may have been by yourself. And you may have experienced loneliness and and just felt like you were all alone. Maybe that's something that's not just tied to the holidays. Maybe you feel alone all the time. I want to tell you, our God is a God of relationship. In the Great Commission, as Jesus tells his followers uh, to go and make disciples of all nations, this task that is just this amazing task that can't be done without the power of God through the Holy Spirit and uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus tags that with something that has always stuck with me. Hey, as you're going and as you're making disciples, I am with you. I am with you always. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And he's telling him, hey, you're not going alone. I'm going too. Well, here the Apostle Paul goes further and say, hey, you're definitely not alone because Christ is with us if you're in Christ. But we, Christ also set it up so that you're never alone because you have a family. And that is the family of the capital C, the church of all believers. And I understand that there are times you may feel like, you're alone. And if you're in our church and that is how you feel, I want you to know that's not what we want. And I want to go further in saying, if that is what you experience, I want to know, Michael wants to know, and we want to help you get connected to meaningful relationships. Uh, Two primary ways I, I would say we do this is through our small group ministry that we call Home Church and through serving. I tell you never underestimate the power of serving together. Because as my friend Dick Weedore, who's a dentist here in town and uh, used to go on all the Mexico trips with me as we built houses south of the border in 110 degree heat, he goes, there's nothing as bonding as sweat equity. I mean. And so get in a small group, uh, serve with other people, and you will get some of those meaningful relationships. But if, if that is what you experience, Michael, will you raise your hand? One of our other pastors, Michael, the good-looking one, uh, everyone says, hey, aren't you Michael? I'm like, nope, Michael's the good-looking one. He's right over there. Uh, one of us, we would love to help you connect to meaningful uh, relationships. Because the truth is, in Christ, we are part of the family, and you are not alone. So if you feel alone, don't stay there We want to help get you connected. And I see the men of Renewal Ranch are here. I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. And thank you for all you guys did with Operation Christmas Child. I I say the same is true with you guys out at Renewal Ranch. Man, you guys are not alone. You have each other. So lean on one another and and lock arms and walk this life together. Uh, Because that's how God created it. But God also, uh, through, through the Apostle Paul, uh, provides completeness in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1.4, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ. And we're going to bundle a few passages together because they kind of go together. Uh, this grace, this uh, what you have not earned, you get. You didn't deserve it, but God gives it to you anyway. That's, that's the idea of Grace. Where, you know, most of our lives were like, well, I've earned this, I deserve this, and, and, and I've, I, I just can't believe my rights of this are, are being violated. And I, I, I hear that in all these years uh, because of this passage and because of Romans 6.23 that we're going to get to. I go, you know what? Scripture is pretty clear of what we earned and what we deserve. And it ain't good. And I, I know some of you have heard this before because I say it all the time, but it is just true. Uh, anytime someone in my house says, I deserve this, do you know? Do you, and anyone remember what I say? We deserve death and the occasional steak. And that's just because I like steak. That's not in the scripture. Uh, and we don't get steak very often, but I just like the notion of one day I might get some steak. Uh, so grace is not getting what you deserve. We deserve death. But in God's grace, he offers us life. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And that first part's hard, isn't it? I mean, what if someone else really wrongs you? They've they've done something that is just too bad to forgive. It's beyond forgiveness. Just too far, too much, too often. I mean, it is so easy to have reasons not to forgive. But you know, when it comes to us, when it comes to me, when I mess up, when I say something wrong, when I do something wrong, I really want everyone around me to give me the benefit of the doubt, extend grace, and to forgive quickly. But is that true of me to everyone else? Is that true of you to everyone else? Maybe so. The hardest people for me to extend grace and forgiveness to right now? Referees. Can I get some amens over here from the basketball team? Yes. Whew. Lord give me grace. Or give them eyesight. Either one. Um, but that's the thing. We we have a hard time forgiving and extending grace to others, but that's what we want for us. And it's easy to stay there in unforgiveness and not be graceful until Paul continues and says. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. He calls us to be forgiving of others and then ties it to what Christ has done for us. And that makes us have to go, I need to live in Christ. I need to live out my identity. I've been forgiven for much. I need to forgive for much. And I'm telling you, as people are taking more and more surveys, And we see people jettisoning from the church. This is not what people are experiencing from the church. They are not experiencing grace and forgiveness. And this is the one place they should be seeing and receiving grace and forgiveness. So, just as in our identity in Christ, we have received grace and forgiveness for our sins, we are called to be. Conduits of both to other people around us those within these walls and those outside of the walls We need to start reflecting more uh, Of our God in Christ that has extended grace and forgives And let that be what we're known for instead of what we're currently known for Well continuing on in completeness Ephesians says blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who did bless us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know what? <laughs> the, the memes abounded on Friday that talked about how it's only in America we can bow our heads and be thankful on Thanksgiving and, and listing out all the things we're thankful And as soon as that last mouthful of mashed potatoes is consumed, we start on our Christmas list and all the things we want, and then we go shopping on Friday for all the things we ourselves want. I mean, man, we we are a materialistic world and a materialistic culture, but we are not in need because what we see is in this completeness that is found in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in heaven and all of our needs are met. And isn't that a great reminder? Isn't that something to be thankful for? Uh, and i read multiple commentators, and so I had to add the not greed in there because that's what they did, and uh, I assume they're pretty smart. So in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing as well as every earthly need, not greed, met. And so we can be thankful. We don't have to be consumed with what we don't have. I know in my life, uh, we are still driving my wife's high school car. And by we, I mean me. I'm driving her 1996 Camry. Uh, and I, I've received the memes from you guys that youth pastors that have 1998 or newer Camrys should be investigated for you know, being paid too much. Uh, Alan's the youth pastor, so it doesn't follow to me anymore. Uh, But yeah, so there are days where my three-toned, automatic nothing Toyota Camry is something that I'm like, I really would like something newer. Maybe something in the 2000s. But then I'm reminded, I can get to work. I'm not left on the road. Hopefully, never. Uh, and, And God has provided what I need. And I love my three-toned Toyota Camry, 1996, older than some of my kids, Uh, all of my kids. Our identity in Christ also gives us confidence. And I'm going to roll through four verses, uh, and then we're going to tie up uh, how it gives us confidence. In Colossians 1.28, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Paul is saying we are striving, we are doing everything we can to minister to you so that at the return of Christ we can uh, present you complete in him. And that is Paul's focus and what he is striving for, knowing in confidence that Christ is coming back. Romans 6.23, I I talked about this earlier. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is where it really brings out, do you want what you have earned or do you want something you did not earn? Do you want death or do you want life? Because as uh, through Adam sin entered the world, death came through sin, and there's a, a spiritual chasm of sin between us in our holy God. And we've earned that spiritual death, which means separation from God. And there's a gift that he offers in Christ that is eternal life. And that should give us confidence. Because if we are in Christ, we have that life and life eternal. Romans 8.1, one. therefore there is now no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And these last two verses are are really exciting to me because he leaves no room for error. And maybe you are someone that walks this earth feeling like you are condemned. Maybe your past, your failures, your mistakes, uh, maybe something from years and years ago continues to follow you and you just feel like everyone condemns you. When you are in Christ, Paul says there is no condemnation. He doesn't say that there is some condemnation. He doesn't say that there's occasional condemnation. He says there is no condemnation. And that should give us confidence. Finally, Romans 8, 38 through 39. Is that what, yes, much closer here. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, again, Paul just goes so extensive because he knows that we walk this earth and there are probably people who have left us. Maybe early on you had a a parent that left your family. Maybe you had a spouse that has left you. Maybe you had close friends that you were like brothers or like sisters that have walked away. And you're like, is God going to be like them? And Paul says, God is unlike anyone you have ever met. And when your identity, when you have salvation that you've experienced in Christ, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. And if you can think of anything else, Paul uses this last phrase, nor anything else in all of creation. There is no footnotes. There is no fine print. He says, if you are in Christ, it is secure. And nothing will separate us from the love of God. Unlike any other relationship, our God says, You are secure in my love. And when we think about these four verses, the confidence we have is in Christ, we are His today, tomorrow, and forever. We are His today, tomorrow, and forever. We are no longer defined by our past. We are not defined by our education and our test scores. We are not defined by our bank accounts. We are not defined by uh, uh, the things that have happened in our lives. We are not defined by our relationships. We are not defined by our culture, by our politics, or anything else. We are not defined by our sin. We are defined by our Savior. And he says... If we are in Him, we are His forever. And this should bring about gratitude. This should bring about uh, thanksgiving in our lives. Because if we are in Christ and all these things are true, that we are forgiven, that we are receivers of grace, that we are redeemed and justified, that we have life and life eternal that there is nothing that will ever separate us from him, then not only should we be thankful, but our lives should reflect it. And I'm hoping that as you've heard these verses, that the Lord is prompting you for some of these verses to go, hey, this area of your life, it doesn't reflect your identity in Christ. You've kind of drifted into a different identity, and that's not my best for you. And I'm hoping you take these scriptures. Here's some next steps that that will help us. I'm hoping you take these scriptures. And whatever the Lord put on your heart, you take it and just remind yourself every day. Read that verse over and over. And just ask God, God, I see this truth. Make my life line up with it. May my actions follow this truth. Let my identity in Christ rule in my life and don't let me drift to any false identity. I am not defined by anything or anyone else but you. And your ways are great and they are good. Maybe there's someone in your life, maybe a family member, uh, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker that you see is struggling. And they're a believer and, and you need to, to talk to them uh, and give them confidence in who they are in Christ. Maybe there's an area where you see them drifting and they need this encouragement. Maybe share one of these verses with them and pray with them and follow up with them. All the verses are listed in your bulletin um, in those three categories. Man, what does the Lord want you to do with this this week? Your identity, if you have experienced salvation, is in Christ, it's secure. You are loved. You are not alone.